What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Sleepy Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wackiest hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going well. I got to get myself, get the energy up a little bit. Yeah. We ate pre, we had a pre-podcast meal. We had a meal, pre-podcast meal. Which is pretty rare. Yeah. Normally, we don't eat until about 11 p.m. on right. a podcast <laughs> night, which probably isn't super healthy. No. So, we've got some food in us and a surprisingly large number of topics to discuss for, you know, mid-November with a... You know, a very mid football team. Yeah, on a bye week. On a bye week, beginning of the NBA season, baseball season, obviously, and the off season. But the hot stove got going a little bit this weekend, Graham. Yeah. So it's a Friday night. It's a bye week for the Falcons, but we nope. got to talk some Atlanta sports. We do have to talk some Atlanta sports. So we're contractually obligated to do until we die. So, which how nice is it that we're not contractually obligated to do this anymore? Yeah, we're. I feel it was, like it's been more fun since we stopped. Yeah, with there the, were the. Pigskins. The Pigskin Podcast Network, yeah. which we were formerly a part of, as I'm sure all of you know, or if you're new to the show, we we used to get a little bit of a little bit of scratch to do this. And when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. Um, and yeah, there's it, it a certain expectation to it. It was like it was like it was in the contract. You have to do it every week, every week, and it was like mm. it felt like a job. And now I yeah. got to say that that I have the kid. Like now, the, like this is like this is my social right. event. This of is the yeah, week. this is your so, yeah. This is like this is you escaping for a little bit. Exactly. Have some some alone time. Sit up in with me. The Graham Waldrop. Well, I guess it's the Adam Kalal studio, featuring Graham Waldrop. Yeah. And uh, it's it's good, Graham. Sure. It's fun. So let, let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right. So Braves made a big move last night, at the time of this recording at least, where they acquired left-handed reliever Aaron Bummer. Interesting name. From the Chicago White Sox. And the most interesting thing about this, notice I said acquisition, so it means trade, is that we traded five guys to get this dude. What guys did we trade, Graham? We traded... Uh, Schuster, Jared Schuster, the first round pick in 2020. Uh, Brandon Shoemake, Nicky Lopez, and some guy named Riley Goins from the minor leagues. And also Adam's boy, Michael Soroka, who you kept saying, Soroka's going to come back. Soroka's going to be great. I kept saying he's washed, he's licked. I think Anthopolis agreed with me here and decided to include him in this package. He probably needed a change of scenery too, but I, I have no remorse over losing Michael Soroka personally. I mean, I, I hate that his career didn't pan out to what it could have been, but he's licked. Two Achilles, his shoulder's killing him. He, he can't pitch anymore. So, and the, and the Braves had no more options. So if it didn't work out, like, what are you going to do? So I, I think this was fine. This was like a non-tender date, apparently, because I think by today, when we're recording this, there's a deadline where you either had to tender a guy or not. So you just traded a bunch of people to the White Sox. And now you also clear three spaces off your 40-man roster, which indicates that more trades could be coming or free, agent si- free agency signings could happen or both. Yeah, I kind of look at this as, well, A, you and I are both guilty of thinking that Aaron Bummer, surely if we're trading five guys, including two starting pitchers, we're, we must be getting a starting pitcher back. Right. Fake news. No, he is a reliever. He's a reliever. High leverage guy. Uh, don't look at his ERA from last year. You won't be impressed in, with that. A six seven nine ERA. But, you know, he's on the south side. White Sox were bad. Really one of the poorest defenses in the league. I, I think what's more telling is that he had a 3.58 FIP, fielding independent pitching. So for those that don't remember, that's 
what a pitcher can, you know, all the things a pitcher can control are calculated into a numeric value. So that's walks, strikeouts, home runs, 3.58s, pretty damn good. That's pretty much the equivalent of having a 3.58 ERA. So that means that he's doing well with 78 strikeouts and 58 in the third innings. And opponents, uh, especially lefties, only lefties only hit 199 off him last year. So, so I mean, it's kind of like last week we were talking about, like with not bringing hand back. You know, one of our two lefty relievers, along with um, you know, Kirby Kirby Yates, not not a lefty reliever, but like we knew, Anthopoulos had something planned for the bullpen. So here's one move. And as far as like you know, Mike Soroka and Schuster, I guess I kind of look at it as you know. Love Mike Soroka. Like you, no Every, one was. Everybody loved Mike. No Soroka. one loved Mike Soroka more than Grant Waldrop in 2019. No, he was the man. Yeah, and, and don't, Snicker I, fucked him. I, and yeah, he we, fucked we, all we of us. No, I didn't want you to get into that. I'm just saying. No, remember. No, we're still in our NPR. Well, yeah, we can, okay, yeah. You know, we got to continue the listening, but I, you know, yeah. all, that all that, that's a trigger thing for me. Okay, that's my apologies. With, with I, should, I should have known that. Yeah, be sensitive to my needs. I shouldn't have brought that up, <laughs> but. Where I was going with it, Graham, is that I think that Anthopolis is like, okay, we don't have time to wait for these guys to figure it out. Like, we got to get away from this Gwinnett train. Thank God. Bringing up like three or four different guys and seeing who's going to stick for the fourth and fifth spot. We have a window right now, Graham. We do have a window. Two to three year window, I look at it. And we need to bring in some big names. So I'm assuming by opening up those three spaces on the 40-man, something larger is coming. But also we're getting, you know, bummer. The jokes write themselves with bummer. Should he pitch poorly? Or should Soroka, like, come back and be 2019 Soroka? Or, That's never going to happen. You know, Schuster, like, I see Schuster as, like, a, you know, top, best-case scenario is, a, like, fourth starter. Could be like a Drew Smiley type guy. Well, he's also like a he's a 25 year old or 26 year old or whatever that hasn't figured it out. So I mean, for a starting pitcher, if you haven't figured it out by that point, yeah, it's a good trade for the White Sox. Like you get a lot of people for a rebuilding club. You get like five dudes, and like yeah. some veteran, like Nicky Lopez. Like that's a good veteran Four guy of to which have your locker room. Are major league ready. So or have pitched in the major. Well, actually, that's not true at all. So uh, only. Really, Nicky Lopez is major league ready. You could argue like Schuster was up and down. Brandon Shoemake was another he's, guy. He's ready. Like he's twenty. He's like twenty six. Shoemake. Yeah, he's well, but he's still never cracked a major league roster. Well, so we didn't really have a spot for him. True, so. but I'm just saying. Like I don't think he would. Anyway, he could play in a rebuilding organization. Exactly. Nicky Lopez is very valuable. Um, you know, as a as a depth piece and a utility guy. And I don't know who Riley Goins is, so I can't really talk about him. But yeah, it is. You're right. It's, I think it's a good trade for the um, for the Sox, and hopefully a good trade for us. Hopefully, this, these peripherals that we're looking at, like FIP and strikeout rates, are actually you know going to translate. And then with our you know far superior infield defense, hopefully contribute to a lower ERA because he had a three one or three one four ERA uh, in the if you add up to 2021 and 2022 seasons. So everyone's saying like 2023 was a huge outlier um, for Mr. Bummer. So hopefully that's true. And now, you know, that really deepens the bullpen, gives us more lefties. You know, if uh, Matzik's going to come back hopefully this year too. You know, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know if he's – but the point is you're also taking out insurance with this guy. Hopefully he's really good. And he's also got more velocity, wipeout slider, more of a traditional – uh, kind of power pitcher guy, which I think is something the bullpen lacked last year. So I'm fine with this move. And none of those guys 
like even if if Mike Soroka goes out next year and he throws, um, you know he he's got a two five ERA and a, a three oh four uh, FIP and a one oh one WHIP. So be it. Great, good for him. But I you know I never thought it was going to happen. And you can't keep paying a guy three million, two million dollars every year just hoping that he's going to figure it out. Fuck it at this point. You know, got to move on. I mean, I think if anything, you're doing him a favor because we, I still say two, three million dollars is not a lot of money to have a potential guy who could be a number one starter. Yeah, but you can't wait for potential forever. But for him, he's not going to want to pitch in Gwinnett. Like, he deserves a shot, like, in a rotation. Mm hmm. And if we're gonna like go make some big moves and not can have a spot for him, there's no reason. That's fair. Yeah. So I I respect that. You know. Yeah. Anthopolis, Snitker, they they all love Soroka. Yeah. Maple Maddox, he's gonna have to have a new nickname now in Chicago. It's fine, but it's still sad. Sure. I'm not like, saying I don't it's like not. seeing guys like that go. You know, a guy that you just assumed was gonna be your number one for like a decade. Right. A few it's years just, ago, it just couldn't stay healthy. It's it's just the way it goes sometimes. I, I you know, I will still say like I'm not gonna like cheer against him. No, not at all. If you were like in Philly, maybe I would be. But <laughs> Yeah, Chicago White Chicago Sox. Chicago White fine. Sox, do your thing, Mike. Yeah. Good for you. Closer to Canada, closer to home. A little bit, yep. That could be good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're moving on from Soroka. Bringing in Bummer, but looking forward to see. I think GM meetings are coming up pretty soon, Graham. Yeah, I think that happens in December. So I think I think it's the, either the week after Thanksgiving or two weeks after Thanksgiving. So pretty pretty soon. Hot stuff's going, Graham. Some some big Braves rumors popped up this week. It's like every time you hear a rumor about it, Braves being in on somebody, that, that move doesn't happen. They always seem to come out of nowhere. But we could talk about some rumors. Why not? We're baseball starved. Well, we already talked about it last week, Graham. Shohei Otani. I don't think we talked about Otani last week. Last week, at the end of the episode, we're talking, squawking all these scenarios with Otani or Trout. Oh, you came up with all that stuff, but and the, then the the quote was not released yet at this point. Well, yeah, the same week. That's crazy. So that yeah. I mean, you know, Otani must have been listening to our. He must podcast. have been. I mean, it's a very popular podcast. Once on a prestigious <laughs> network, of course, he's heard it. For God's sake. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. Yeah. So he, I mean, he, I'm sure he's like looking at all the different teams he can go to. And he's like, let me Google like Atlanta sports podcast and like see what it's really <laughs> about. Land the land here. And like, yeah. you know, he scrolled, like he listened through all of, you know, the first 52 minutes or whatever when we talked about just, you know, football and yeah. whatever we talked about. He, he picked a good episode to listen to, though, yeah, I think, and then, last he, and then he made it to where we could see Otani coming here. It's, you know, it's not legit. It's not. It's probably not happening. Probably not happening. But I think it was Ken Rosenthal put something out he, there. Something like that, where he's like intrigued by the Braves or whatever. I, you know, shit. I'd be intrigued by the Braves too. But you know, there's there's two things that Tony wants. He wants to go to contender and he wants to get paid over four hundred million dollars in, in a contract. I think we Braves do, check off one of those two boxes. I think we can do both of them, man. We got, I agree. We, we could. Got Dan Warren Buffett investing in Atlanta Braves stock now. Yeah, no, we could. That, that, that was news that popped up this week. Yeah, too. we we could, but we choose not to um, because we're we're chintzy. At or the end we're of the just day. waiting for the right moment, the right player. I mean, I would I would love to do this, but um, I, I know it's not going to happen. So he's going to go to the Dodgers. We all know this is what's going to happen. So we just got to deal with it, and we got to deal with the Dodgers actually being not that they weren't good last year; they were, but now they're they're going to be kind of back if they get this guy. Um, but I, I assume that's what's going to happen. So I wouldn't. I want to get your hopes up for it. Um, the 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 interesting thing to me about the way Anthopolis constructs a roster 
is that he tries to, you know, you look at like, so think about the angels, for example, like how they, how they did business over the last ah, 12 years. They sign um, Albert Pujols to that ridiculous deal, like a 12 year contract or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, they have Mike Trout, who was in his rookie year, I think, in 2012. Um, then after that, but they, but they didn't go out and get, like, you know, their roster was super top-heavy. Their pitching wasn't great. They had, like, one or two good pitchers. And then they, you know, like four or five years later, they got Rendon, you know, from the Nationals after he wins the World after the Nationals win the World Series, and then he flames out. It's like they, they put all this money into these free agents that they think are going to be great. And not that pool holes didn't do anything. He was pretty productive the first few years, but it's like they forget about the other stuff. Anthopolis sort of takes the opposite approach where even if he gets a free agent, he's not going to do it. He's not going to spend so much money that it handicaps what you can do for the rest of the roster. I think he wants a super complete roster, as complete as he can make it, uh, that has depth. And that doesn't have like a ton of weaknesses so that you can compete. Um, but I think the problem now for me is that we do have a roster. We have a lot of guys locked up for a long time. Why not go make a splash? Well, I think that's where you can look at up to this point, we've been building. Okay. You so know, so we've maybe been this is the offseason to go nuts. So now if you go nuts, yeah. mm-hmm. like, and if it's like we're one piece away from that's winning. That's the thing is I feel like we are like – a couple, we need like one or two more really good pitchers and like a big bat, and then let's fucking go. Let's 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 run it back. Let's sign. I was trying to look it up here while you were talking there, Graham, but then I yeah. realized I need to listen to you because that's course. what that's what we do at Atlanta. That's what we do at Atlanta. Zone. But there's like a top tier Japanese pitcher that like has put up ridiculous numbers. Like, you mentioned this guy I think a couple weeks ago. What's his name again? I don't know. Oh, okay, I was trying to get. <laughs> but he like ERA in the ones, Graham. Like so, if we uh-huh. bring him in. That attracts Otani. Mm. It's a no-brainer. Or vice versa. I didn't think about that. Bring in Otani, then you get this guy, and then you got both of them in your rotation next year. I know nothing about this pitcher, but... You know, it's something the Braves... He's like 99, he's like 25. Sure. One-something ERA. Let's go. See, the same thing about the... the, There's this pitcher on the the Orioles, there's another Japanese import who, like, threw 99, but he sucked ass. (laughs) (laughs) They traded for him from Oakland, and he was just not very good. I can't remember his name, but every time we watched the Orioles game this year, he'd come in. The ball, the velocity was amazing, but it was just flat. It was, you know, it was it was as flat as a pancake, and it was like, okay, you can throw ninety nine, but where's the movement? Sure. So sure. just because you know, I'm not saying I'm not trying to poo poo you, but just because I hear ninety nine, it doesn't blow me away or anything. But like you could compare like you Darvish's numbers in Japan to right. like this guy. You know, you okay. Darvish was like a two ERA guy. This okay. guy's a one ERA guy. So sure. Like, you know. Yeah, Comparing and that's, apples to apples. Well, it's something that's interesting. Like the Braves, in terms of scouting, they don't really. We never, don't really get a lot of Japanese players. I remember we had Kinshin Kawakami, who everyone thought was going to be the, the God's gift to man, and then he blew up in our faces. Um, and the Braves, ever since then, I know that was a totally different regime, right? Totally different front office and, and way of thinking. Uh, but you know, it feels like we don't get, we don't go after the Japanese guys anymore. Well, I think a lot of time, like. Like you said, like with Otani and like the Dodgers or Angels, like they do want to be closer to home on the West Coast, or they're just going to go to one of the big money markets, like a New York, a Boston, right. a Chicago. Right. But I still like. There's no reason the Braves can't compete. And other news, Graham. Speaking of Atlanta being a big baseball city, uh huh. We are getting the All Star Game again. Sure. 2025. Yeah. Like it's so like I feel like if anything. They're going to want to, like, spend some big money leading up to that, like, to already put Atlanta, like, on a national, like, you know. Anthopolis doesn't care about that, though. 
I mean, he does and he doesn't. Like, he's not going to make a move just to bring attention to Atlanta. Well, it's not that, but he has a budget. So, like, if if his budget increases by $60 million, I'm sure he would spend money if he had it. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's yeah, not no Anthopolis being cheap. Well, it's like he's got well, to work within the constraints yeah, of the, the budget. Yeah, but the constraints of the budget, whoever sets that, it blows my mind. It's like I keep hearing all the, you know, the, the absolute insane revenue that the battery generates and the, the stadium generates. I'm like, and not that we don't spend money. I keep saying we're chintzy, but I'm, I'm, we're still top 10 in payroll. Yeah, you're, you're living in the early 2000s. Well, we were still pretty good in the early 2000s with payroll. But, I don't know um, where you're living. Back when it was like $85 million. Right. We were but, like a, a mid But But mid-tier. it's like we don't we don't go for the kill with like a free agent signing, which I wish. I I'm not saying you should just year. do it arbitrarily. You shouldn't do what the Mets did and sign two pitchers who are combined 84 years old. But if there's a guy out there that you think can really transform the team, I don't see why we can't go do that. Maybe this is the year, Graham. I hope it is. And and like this is this is an aggressive move to get three people cleared off. So you gotta fill three roster spots and I hope I'm sure at least one of them will be a classic, you know, under the radar sort of Anthopolis thing, but I hope the other two are high impact guys. I would love to wake up tomorrow and see we've signed Sonny Gray and Solaire or something and be like, All right, that's that's good. That's those are like two quality guys that you know are gonna give you a lot. I'm a little more convinced that well, let's let's think through this. So, with Nicky Lopez being yeah. traded, like that was like a nice insurance piece to have. Yeah, you do need a utility infielder now. <clears throat> well, you know, not only him, but also Shoemake. So that there's our like other shortstops, you know, potential shortstops. So now we got Arcia, we got Grissom. Are like are they sticking with Arcia long term? Are they converting Grissom to left field, or is there going to be a move down the road with Arcia? They're apparently working Grissom out in the outfield. Now, so every every off season he learns a new position. It seems to be what what we're doing here. I don't like it. Um, I think Von Grissom needs to be used in a in a trade to get a, a better piece. But I think if you're if you're trading Shoemake and Nicky Lopez, I don't think you're trading Grissom too. Like where, then we have zero potential shortstop depth. Well, you know what Anthopolis is probably going to do. This is this is wild, but it wouldn't surprise me. It's not unprecedented. Remember in twenty eighteen, Johan Camargo had a really nice season, right? And we all thought, okay, he's going to be the third baseman for a while. And then in the twenty eighteen off season, we go and get Josh Donaldson. I could see Anthopolis doing something we don't expect and go out and get a shortstop to supplant Arcia because even though Arcia had a, a good year, an overachieving year. He was trash the second half of the season for the most part offensively. So I wouldn't I don't know. Anthopolis does these weird things you don't expect. I could see him go out there and get a shortstop. And then maybe RC is now your backup utility infielder. Strengthens the team, I guess. I don't know. It depends on who like that, that guy is. I like that, Graham. But I, but you just gotta start thinking. We can't like I I gotta we gotta get to this point now. We've had Anthopolis as the GM for what, six years, five years, whatever it's been. We gotta get to the point now where we I would like to start to be able to anticipate his moves because that's something no one expected, right? No one expected us to go out and get Sean Murphy. We had a perfect, adequate catching battery uh, last year, but we did. And now I expect, you know, RC is adequate. Is he? Is he great? No. So maybe, maybe he'll go out and get a shortstop. Yeah, still shortstop in left field. We could certainly improve. Got to improve those positions. I like that, Graham. Yeah. So good work. Thank you. Got to start thinking of think how Alex thinks. Well, WWAD. Yeah, and Arcia is a super utility guy. Feels a little better than yeah, and then that solves stuff. that problem um, and it makes you better. Hopefully, um, so we'll see. 
another Braves news, Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr. officially wins the MVP. So good for him. Um, we all know how I feel, at least, about subjective awards. I don't really care that much, but I think it's nice for him um, and his brand and the Braves brand. It brings more exposure to him and to the Braves. Um, and I think it's good overall for the organization. I don't give a fuck if, what a bunch of journalists think. It just doesn't matter to me. So I don't care really that much, but I think it's, I'm happy for him because I know he cares a lot about it. And I'm happy for the organization because it brings us more exposure. It's a hell of a life accomplishment. Like you, you grow up playing baseball, imagine yourself being an MVP. So sure. great for Ronnie, but yeah, no, it's a tough year for it. Cause at the end of the day, he didn't perform in the playoffs and like this vote is done before the playoffs and that's where we want to see the performance. Well, that's the thing. Yes. It rings hollow. Like I hate getting these emails where I'm like, you know, I'm on the Orioles and the Braves uh, email list. And it's like, uh, you know, Brandon Hyde wins manager of the year. Gunnar Henderson wins rookie of the year. Acuna wins MVP. I'm like, yeah, but the playoffs like doesn't like who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a non-starter for me. Yeah. I think I would probably be annoyed if Mookie Betts won it instead of Acuna. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, in the long, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't fucking matter. No, it doesn't. As, so. To us, as you know, to, to, to people who are, are thinking of the larger picture, thinking about team success, objective awards, and World I'll, Series. I'm, I'm sure Ronnie feels similarly. Like, yeah. He, well, he's stoked, obviously. Yeah. But also... He said it's always been his dream to win the MVP. He's he wants very happy. something greater. Like, he yeah. wants to be a part of a World Series team. Yeah, more so than he was in the right. 2021 team. You know, he got a ring. He wasn't there in the second half or in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's a big thing for this organization. It's like, we went back to it when we, when we lost the Phillies again. It was like, got to stay focused and mentally get tougher and think about the bigger picture. Cannot get caught up in all this bullshit. We're going to get more silver sluggers and all this stuff. Matt Olson finished fourth in the MVP. Matt Olson hit 55 home runs. Great. So be it. Where's the results when it absolutely matters? I would gladly be the Rangers and be a wild card team and blow the division lead with like two games left and then win the championship. I don't care about any of that other shit except winning. We lost a team that lost to the damn Diamondbacks. For Christ's sake. And that nothing. I'll do def, do deference to the Diamondbacks who had an amazing run, but it's also like, ugh, you know, it's They're crazy. Like eighty four win team. Yeah, how we only won eighty eight when we won the championship. So that's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> don't win. You only win ninety games or less. That's it. Just yeah. I mean, don't get comfortable. There's something to that. For yeah. Real. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what happened after we clinched that division. We, we we let our foot off the gas, and I think it really bit us. But not to dig up that old body any more than we already have. Well, that's your Braves news, unless you have any anything else going on. Okay, I don't, Graham. Um, all right, we got to take a little break, and we'll get into this uh, Falcons <laughs> bullshit that happened over the last week. Adam had a great uh, quote. We were we were looking over some stuff before we started talking about the Falcons, and he goes, "Yeah, whatever. Let's talk about this dumb team." And that's how I think that's how Falcons fans feel. This is a dumb team that 
continues to find new ways to lose. They lost three games in a row to quarterbacks that have never played all season. And the Falcons lost <laughs> a, the most disappointing game of the year for sure to the Cardinals, 25-23, to proving that this is not even a mediocre team. This is a below-average team. It's not as bad as the Giants, not as bad as the Patriots, but not far behind. They really, it really isn't good. So, I don't know. We don't have to dig up like old bodies here for this game. I mean, it's by the time this comes out, it'll almost be a week since this this game happened. But suffice it to say, Heineke, as we kind of talked about last week, definitely not the long term answer, well, which we knew. But he was terrible. 8 of 15 for 55 yards. 55 yards what? in an NFL game. I don't think he attempted any passes over 12 yards. Well, that's what's, Arthur Smith's what's up offense. With that? Well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you remember, and I remember it, but it's only happened once that I can remember this season, where someone had a big yards after catch, big yak. Because I feel like every time we throw the ball and it's a completion, a guy catches it and is tackled immediately. When, can you think of one John, play? John o. Smith. Okay, so that's one. I wasn't thinking about it. I thought of another one. Carterell Hodge in the Titans game when uh, Heineke threw in the ball and he broke a couple of tackles and then just, like, it wasn't designed like that. It wasn't like a mismatch. It was just a catch and then he made something happen. The John Lee Smith thing, you can actually say, okay, that's like the one plus play we've had. Yeah, we just haven't had big plays. No, there are no big plays. It's like, it's, it's everybody runs downfield, looks up, the quarterback throws it to you. It's usually well, well co- there was like the Algier. Like in the flats, catch a few weeks ago. I'm just saying it's like, like Ritter was like improvising. And but found you Algier look for like at what yards. look at what Arizona did with uh, their tight end this week. Trey McBride had eight catches for 131 yards. He was crushing us. He had a long of 33, crushing us all day long. And it's like no matter who we play, it seems like in the last few weeks, these receivers are getting way more open than they ever have before. And I don't know if it's because we're switching to more zone. We missed on, or missing Anya Meta and Jarrett this week was also devastating. I don't know what's going on. The defense, as much as we lauded them the first what five six weeks of the year, just hasn't looked very good. I mean, they're the reason we lost the last three games. Yeah, I mean they they uh, we should have scored more points this week, but yeah, I agree in terms of like we lost two games in the same exact way against Minnesota, fourth and ten or fourth and seven, whatever it was. Dobbs escapes and we missed five tackles this week. Third and seven. Abiketti misses. Like, we can't contain running quarterbacks. And then uh, the, the human hummingbird, fucking Kyler Murray, just runs out of, you know, scampers away. And he reminded me of this guy I met one time at uh, the Claremont Lounge who was high on cocaine from Miami. He, like, ran up to the bar as fast as anybody I've ever seen in my life. And he looked like Kyler Murray running with the football. He just looked like this insane water bug kind of guy. And he was like, He's just like asking for drinks, talking to people. He was moving all around. No one could catch him. No one could talk to him. He was like, he would talk and then move on to the next person. That's how Kyler Murray was in that play. He was the deranged, coked out maniac. Like, it was an incredible scamper. I never seen someone move like that. I was like, this is inhuman. But we can't contain mobile quarterbacks. We lost two straight games in the same exact way. We score at the end of the game, leave the other team too much time, and we can't close out the game on defense. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, at the end of the day, Two weeks ago, Heineke gets the job done, drives the offense down the field. We score with about two minutes to go. And it's starting to get those Dan Quinn vibes 
like the, it's the same exact thing that happened in 2020 where we're like yeah. we just know the defense isn't going to hold this this week you know Heineke gets hurt Ritter comes in looked okay yeah Ritter I mean honestly Ritter did look better than Heineke yeah and but he has a great drive he scores on the same play that he fumbled on right you know a few weeks ago yeah when everyone freaked out right he scores on that play right but it's like it, it just had that feeling. Oh, two minute over two minutes. There's no oh, way in hell the yeah. defense is going to. It was hold. hilarious. I had and this... that's not how it felt at the beginning of the year. So no, that, that it's, sucks. It's not. It does. And but it was really funny when that happened. I was like, oh, he held on to the ball, touchdown, great. And then I said, we're going to like the first word. That's what I said in my head. And then the first words out of my mouth was, we're going to lose because I know that's too much time. The defense is going to blow it, and they did. And I don't understand what's going on. And I know. Like we mentioned, missing those two guys at the middle and Jared Nanyameta is, is is a really big problem. You can't replace those guys. But why can't we contend? And I know it's easier said than done. You know, we're two guys sitting here drinking on a Friday night talking about a football team. We're not out there making tackles. But why can we not figure out how to contain these mobile quarterbacks just a little bit, just a little bit, especially when it matters most? It's just like choking away everything. Well, you know what? How, you know what does hurt here, Graham? And like the injuries add up, and it's not just. Anya Meta and Grady, like you mentioned, like but Troy Anderson. I know you. Troy he, Anderson, I know you think it, he's mid and small not small potatoes. Is he worthy of a second round pick when the undrafted free agents actually come in here and make an impact? Plays? Are, are we still listening, Graham? Are we still listening? I am. I'm. I'm asking you a question because you brought up Troy Anderson. He, I don't think. I think he sucks. We my, were playing just fine without. My him. point is, he's a linebacker with speed, so that helps to contain these mobile quarterbacks. Okay. So like, if you have him and Landman out there, and Ellis. Sure. That looks a lot better. That looks a lot better. You're so, right. Losing like losing three starters, that's gonna hurt your defense. I agree. But so like you put Troy Anderson in that spy position where I, I saw them, you know, having Landman who doesn't have the speed that Troy Anderson right. has. Yeah. And like we're just missing these damn mobile quarterbacks by inches. Anderson might be able to make those plays. But it's not just the spy. It's also the guys rushing the passer, like Ebiketti had Murray, he yeah. had him, and he blew it. Soon as he missed that, it's like, well, we're screwed. Yeah, exactly. Like he blew it. So yeah, I agree. You're right, but there's also there's more layers to the defensive breakdown. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the only two guys that got sacks this weekend were Ellis and Lamon. Lamon, regardless of his inability to spy, he still had a sack and a pick. I mean, he's he's playing his heart out. Oh no, he is. No, yeah. that's a hell of a find. Yeah. Um. Again, free agency is where Terry Fontenot shines. Other places, not so much. Um, I did appreciate that you know there was seemingly a concerted effort to get Bijan Robinson the ball, twenty-two carries, and ninety-five yards, which still isn't amazing. He's only averaged four yard, four point three yards a carry, but also had a touchdown. Looked decent out there. Um, but you know, on the flip side of it, it was like uh, Heineke was terrible, and we became one-dimensional again, and we couldn't really score that much. Honestly, second quarter we were scoring, but other than that. You know, shut out in the first quarter, three points in the third quarter, only six points in the fourth. So uh, we're in a lot of trouble. And part of me thinks, oh, you know, if we just had maybe if we actually just had a quarterback, how much better will we be? Like if we had a reliable guy, let's say we had someone like a little better than Josh Dobbs. You know, would we actually would we have won a couple of these games? Maybe, man, but I don't know. Like, yeah. We're scoring mid twenties the last couple weeks, and yeah, and now the defense is fucked. Right, so, so I, I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. This, I think this is an organizational 
problem. I'm really getting tired of Arthur Smith going to the podium every week saying, we got to figure out how to fix these things, blah, blah, blah. It's starting to sound a lot like Mike Smith at the end of his tenure when he kept going, I think we were outplayed in all three phases of the football game. Or Dan Quinn at the end when he just said, we've got to look at the tape. I think that... I think It's it was, the same hackney right. bullshit. I think Jeff Schultz, because we, we started having the argument, is like... You know, is Arthur Smith going to make it through the year? And like Schultz came out with an article, like pretty clearly saying, "No, we're not going to be the Raiders. We're not going to like fire this guy mid-season. If anything, he's probably still got next year." And like the biggest thing is, like I think he still has the locker room at this point. Yeah, he has the locker room. Like but, players like playing for him yeah, still. Like, yeah, and I also end of the Dan Quinn years, like. It was the over. message was gone. Yeah, it was it, over. It was a little different. Yeah, it was empty. Yes, for sure. And I would also say this in Arthur's defense, and I'm not a big Arthur Smith defender, but I will say this. Year one, trash city. Horrible roster, not your roster. Um, aging quarterback, horrible offensive line. And as much as I love Matt Ryan, you know, you could tell the end was was nigh. Um, still, I would say, like, defensively and the offensive line were the biggest problems, but you walked into an absolute shitstorm. Year two, Gets a little better. You establish an identity running the football, uh, but you still have a lot of trash on the field. Like, you don't have a very – like, you have no quarterback. You literally had a, a, a downgrading quarterback, and that that, that really hurt us. Um, and you still can't get any pressure on the quarterback. This year, you still don't have a quarterback. You still don't have a pass rush, even though I think we've equaled the amount of sacks that we had last year at this point with 21. So that's, that's pretty wild. That's an improvement. But you still are having pass protection issues, which was starting to happen at the end of last year, and you still can't get to the quarterback, and you don't have a quarterback. And I don't know how much power Arthur Smith has in terms of personnel decisions, in terms of drafting people, in terms of free agency or whatever. But in his defense, he still hasn't had a great roster to work with. So to fire him now, as bad as it's been, and even though he's not hitting expectations, in my mind, it, I think it would be a mistake. But it doesn't mean, you know, by the uh, you know end of the year, if, we're, if, if we still miss the playoffs, you still have to have that conversation and be like, well, why at this point? Because I also say, and, and, and uh, you know, to counter what I just said, he, it seems like he can't develop a, develop a young quarterback. It seems like his play calling sucks ass in terms of the pass plays. No checkdowns for his quarterbacks aren't very good. Guys just running up the field, not creating yards after catch, not relying on your uh, superstar running back that was drafted eighth overall. And I know you did a little bit last week, but it's like, where has that been the whole fucking season outside of week two? So it's like, even though I can defend Arthur on some things, I can't defend him on other things. He's just, it's, it's, just, mean, it's just a fuck situation. I, I think... Ritter did look better, right? Yes, but, but it was still the same six. thing where like he trips on fourth and one, you know. Uh, it's like yeah, little, I know. Like little things. It's like, man, you're still not there, but like he looked like the it's like the superior quarterback. Yeah, he came in and did exactly what Heineke did in the Tennessee game in a smaller sample, but he like came in, took over, and gave you a chance to win. But yes, tripping on that fourth and one was just insane. But the thing I really didn't like afterwards is he's laughing about it on the sidelines. I don't know if you saw that. No. Yeah, he was, he was like laugh. You know, it, it cuts to him like a little bit afterwards, and he's laughing. It's well, like he should you, be pissed. How do you know he's laughing about that? Maybe someone told a funny joke. Maybe, but you should. I don't know, okay. like, did you listen to the Atlanta Zone episode two weeks ago? It was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but it but it was more. I don't really. Yeah, okay. You can say whatever about the laughing, but uh, it was also can't you, like Ritter just does these little things like that. The fumbles, the 
slipping on fourth and one, whatever. It's just like throwing horrible interceptions. I still don't think he's the right guy. I still, even if he comes in next week against the Saints and throws for 450 yards and five touchdowns, that would start to make me think, okay, maybe he's figured something out. But in terms of what I've seen, I can't get behind this. And now you're going, you're approaching, you're at the precipice of not making the playoffs again. And then you're approaching another offseason where you've got to have the quarterback question. It's very, it's a very tough place to be in. But I think the Falcons have made their own bed. We talked about it, the whole thing with Deshaun Watson. We talked about the lack of drafting, uh, you know, people in the trenches or getting a good quarterback in here. I think Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith, whoever, whoever's making these decisions or both of them have, you know, they've set us back years. And not only that, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, but this is the last thing I'll say, uh, is that, you know, we have all these guys signed, like Anya Meta, Ellis, these small deals, one, two-year deals. And it's like, what happens when they leave? Are you going to re-sign these guys? I think Anya Meta was like a four-year deal, Bo. I thought he was two. Either way, I feel like well, Bates was a long-term deal. But there's some other guys on defense that have been signed, like Calais Campbell. You know, there's there's other things like these little like things to fill in gaps. But it's like we still don't have like something, someone to build around as a linebacker. As much as I love Nate Lambin, I don't think you're building a roster around Nate Lambin. You know, we don't have a good defensive. You never end know that you're building 49ers around. The Niners didn't think that Brock Purdy would be their starting quarterback. Sure. Going ahead. So maybe I'm talking my ass at this last point, but I just feel like we haven't done the things necessary to facilitate a really good team in the NFL. We built this team wrong. They're not Anthopolising it. They're not yes. Anthopolising it. They're, they're trying to be cute and, and reaching for guys like Troy Anderson in the second round from South Dakota State or wherever the fuck and then drafting three skill position players and you don't have a quarterback. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. I have a different complaint for you, Graham. Ugh. And I appreciate everything you're saying. Sure. I, I appreciate I'm sorry, you. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. Please. I hear you, Graham. I hear you. Yeah. Take the floor. Special teams, man. Oh, we at haven't talked of, about this. At the end of the day, the last two games we win if our punt return team cannot give up 40, 50 yard yes. punts. You know? Yes. It's like that just kills momentum. And like before the punt return team was an issue, it was sorry, the punt defense. Punt defense. Punt defense yes. has been terrible. Yeah. But before that, the punt returner was terrible. Right. Which and like we making all those piss about. poor decisions that we did talk about a few weeks back but it's just like i think we forgot to talk it's, about it's like that literally all three aspects of the game yeah have been concerning we're like you know last year um we were great on special teams and like yeah coup's been great you know pinion's fantastic great, yeah but it's like coverage come on man like that is our defense cannot afford to give have our special teams given up 30 40 yards especially return yes like, that's just yeah. been brutal and then it's yeah. just been like a quick quick touchdown as soon as these big punt returns are happening for the opponents so yeah it's incredibly frustrating yeah no that's hap- you're right you're exactly right and then that that game i think it was tennessee was the game where we were like the punt return team was awful kick return team was awful too keith smithfield a, a kick at like the five yard line that was going to go for a touchback and he picks it up anyway and gets tackled at the, the four or whatever i was like what the fuck are we doing here yeah just it's just, put, it's just bad coaching so they, they just put like scotty miller back there he'll make smart decisions hell Bijan uh fielded a punt this week i think that's fine yeah i mean you kind of if you're arthur smith at this point you sort of have to throw everything at the at the fucking wall everything you can think of and see what sticks because nothing's sticking right now and you are getting a pretty bad Saints team coming in here, but you're pretty bad too. And how are you going to respond? This is the season. This is it. 
We've, we've said that the Cardinals game was must win, and it was. But luckily, the Vikings beat the Saints. So now you're coming in only down by one game in the division with your arch nemesis coming into the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the stage is set for you to either put up or literally shut up right now with yeah. this, this coming game. This is it. If you lose this game, fuck everybody. Like Then you have no heart. The Saints are beatable as hell. Derek Carr is banged up. I watched most of that Vikings game last week while uh, the Ravens game was on, and I was like, man, they're not very good. Their offense is mid. The defense is not great, even with Cameron Jordan still around. They made a run with damn Jameis on the field, though, but then they did. did what Jameis Jam- does through yes. a couple interceptions. But I'm scared of Jameis. I would rather Derek. I don't oh, know me if, too. I don't know if Derek Carr is hurt or what, the, what his deal is. He was banged up. I, I think he's still status undecided for, for next week. I would prefer him over Jameis. I would too Jameis because scares the shit out of me. The offense woke up. They were down like twenty-seven to three, and then I think they lost thirty-one to twenty-three or something. Yeah. You know, so like he is dangerous, and uh, we don't have a lot of film on him, which is a really big problem for this team. No matter what, it's like someone hasn't played or has very little film. We can't defend them. And that's another thing. Will Levis looks like shit now. But he comes up against the Falcons and just schools our ass for four Dobbs touchdowns. Looks good though. Dobbs. Dobbs continues to look good, but I'm just saying the Ellis or uh, the the Levis thing just it's just again like <laughs> we just got schooled by this guy and played all year. Great, great time for a buy. Great time for a buy. Hopefully, we'll fix something, figure something out. But this is the game. You got to beat the Saints. This is the game. You must. You're at home. You must win. Yeah, I mean, if we come back, like we're we're talking about, like he's probably safe. But like, if you get swept by the Saints and like maybe lose your next game to the box or something like that, like. You, if you could just win your division games, you're probably in the playoffs. Probably, yeah. So like, it, the potential is still there. Yes, not you all can is still for... turn it around. Like, yeah, we still support you. You're still our guys. There's still like a lot of pieces on this team that I like a lot, but it's just like something about the intangibles are just like off. Something about the chemistry is off. Yeah, and they need to take this by and figure it out, man. Like, yeah, stop talking about it and do it. It's Thanksgiving week. That's awesome. That you have Thanksgiving off, good for them. Oh no, I guess they got to be prepping for uh, Sunday by then. Yes. So you know, have your Thanksgiving this week. this week. Yeah, get all the family bullshit out <laughs> of the way. I want you guys a flowery branch yeah. on Thanksgiving yeah. Day. Yeah, you probably need a mental break. Next week, airtight. No Thanksgiving dinner. Do that this week. Let's let's really lock because this is the season. This is it. There's no more wiggle room. You you screwed your wiggle room. The wiggle room is gone. You are literally dangling above a pit of syringes like Amanda and Saw 2, and you're about to be dropped into it. So There we go, Graham. Yeah. So I think we've spent a little bit more time on Braves and Falcons than we probably anticipated. Sure. Did you want to talk Hawks at all? Let's do like a uh, quick Hawks recap. Uh, before that, I have one more Falcons question. Uh-oh. You want Ritter, I assume, to start against the Saints. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Team Ritter the rest of the yeah. season. Yeah, and I think it's important to – like we talked about last week, really evaluate if he's the guy. No more of this experimental shit. Even if he's fumbling and intercept, throwing interceptions everywhere, what do you got to lose at this point? You're not winning the Super Bowl. You may make the playoffs. Give this guy as many reps as possible so you can go into the offseason and say definitively, I have enough data on this dude to tell if he can be our starter long term. Yeah, because I mean, the whole point of Heineke was to like get some quick wins, but we're 0-2 with, with, with Heineke. So now like, 
Yeah. you got to see what you got in Ritter. Yeah, especially that Arizona game. He showed me nothing. 55 yards. Hell, we couldn't even break 100 yards as a team passing. Some good scrambles, but Ritter can do that too. Yeah. like that, that's I, ne- I have not seen a team in, in the modern NFL not throw for 100 yards. I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember it. And I talk about modern NFL, I mean like the last 20 years or so. I think Ritter had a, like his first game last year, he had like 80. Okay. Well, that's even worse. So, <laughs> Just us. <laughs> yeah, just us. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, quick Hawks recap. Hawks, Adam, I was dialed in this week. I watched both Hawks games. I know Hawks are playing the Sixers tonight, but I watched the Pistons game, and I watched the Knicks game in its entirety. And um, beat the Pistons. Lost to the Knicks by two, which is disappointing. But uh, a couple of things I'm really keying in on. Sadiq Bay is, is legit. I really, oh, you're on the Bay I really train like now. this you, guy. You've been talking shit about him. Oh, I was talking shit. I was just... Like, I just don't think he's a fair cop player. He's not a real piece. Well, I think he's a hell of a lot more of a real piece than DeAndre Hunter, who, once again, looks just totally like a wimp out there. Um, I think he's averaging like 10 points a game. Like, he's non-existent. He might make a three or two. Doesn't play great D. He's just a shell. He's a shell of himself. I don't know what the hell happened to him. But Sadiq Bay is out there. Uh, he had a, a, a beautiful tip slam against the Knicks um, whenever that was on Tuesday or Wednesday and plays decent defense, can shoot the three, gets boards, gets aggressive. He's kind of like that, that dog mentality um, that I like uh, quite a bit from him. Bogdanovich has been on fire. He's playing fantastic. He's getting like, I think his last three games, he's averaging like 16, 18 points a game. He looks great. Um, DeJounte really stepped up when Trey Young, was, um, the birth of his daughter, was happening. He looked really good that game. He carried that team to a victory. And uh, I would say this team is committing a little more to defense. They're still giving up way too many points. I think they're giving up 118 points per game, which still isn't great. But they can buckle down. Yeah, but like the body language is better. The body language is better, and they're beating... They've beaten some quality opponents this year. They beat the Timberwolves, the game I went to, who are now 8-2, and two, one of the best teams in the league so far this year. And they, they crushed Milwaukee on the road. So they have it's, – it's a young season, but I feel a little more hopeful this year. I still don't think we're amazing or anything. I still don't think we're going to get a top-four seed in the East because I think Boston, Philly – um, Milwaukee, et cetera, are just you know on a different level than we are. Even though we we beat Milwaukee, but it's still like Milwaukee's got the pedigree. They got Giannis, et cetera. Uh, but I'm a little more hopeful. I'm watching games in more intent. I don't feel apathetic, and I think a lot of it has to do with Quinn Snyder. I think he's done a good job. He's still got a lot of work to do. There's still defensive breakdowns. There's still some offensive execution issues I don't like, especially in terms of getting more people involved. It seems like. Uh, guys like Jalen Johnson and Bogey have to create their own sh- own shots more so than I would like. You know, like Trey still gets a lot of assists, but it, it feels like there's still even though the ball movement's better, I, I think it could be get everybody involved a little bit more. But it's it's a lot better than last year. You watch this team, you know, even in the first like what ten eleven games this year compared to last season, it's not a chore. And as a fan, I appreciate that. Still not perfect. Still not going to win the NBA championship or anything. But I, I've I've enjoyed watching them this season so far. I mean, I, I love the. I, I got to contradict you a little bit. I think like the balance of the team is what makes them intriguing. It kind of reminds you of the 2015 team a little bit more. Like, I think we are deeper than a lot of teams. Like, look at this. Like halftime right now, Hawks are down 56, 57. 
to Philly. Mm-hmm. Look at this box. Th- these are the points scored. Yeah. Trey Young, nine. Uh-huh. DeJounte, five. Uh-huh. Hunter, seven. Mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson, 10. Capella, five. B- Bogey, seven. Sadiq Bay seven. Okongwu, five. Nice. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's a good balance. You're not scoring. relying on some guy going off for... 20 points in the first half like, right they're able to move it around everyone's getting pretty balanced minutes and like you have a lot of scorers and a yeah. lot of different positions yeah i won't so, argue with that yeah i mean i, I think it, it it feels better it feels better but chemistry it, feels better i would still say there's there's a problem like so we went up like eight points on new york the other night it was like fourth quarter with like three three four minutes left looking good bogdanovich and bay are on fire Trey Young hasn't been in the game for like four minutes. He comes in and it's just a turnstile on defense, and the Knicks and the Knicks score like six points solely off him. Yeah, that was disappointing. Um, and it's like Trey looks worse on D this year. His three point shot is still terrible. Um, he's not forcing it as much, and he's 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 still an incredible facilitator. He's still driving to the cup really well. But man, he cannot shoot the three pointer anymore. He's only shooting like thirty four percent from the field in general, not just from. I'd be fine if that was his three-point percentage, but it's not. But he's only shooting like 34 35% from the field. He is not shooting the ball very effectively yeah, so far this year. Two of eight tonight, and it's not just the three-pointer. It's his floater. It's everything. Yeah, the floater. He had a really like wide-open floater against the Knicks in the first half, and he just missed it. And I was like, something is wrong with this guy, man, in yeah. terms of just being able to be a scorer. Like, he can still do it. Like, he still did some great things in the fourth quarter. But in terms of – you know, I know he's still averaging like over 20 points a game. It doesn't feel like it right now. It's It's – Kind of tough to watch him shoot the ball. DeJounte is the king of the mid-range. That's fine. But, um, you know, we were really relying on that Knicks game on Bay and Bogdanovich. And uh, I think Quinn should have ridden the hot hand here. I mean, as much as you want your your star in at the end of the game, he let you down defensively. Um, and, you know, he was scoring some, getting the line and, and shit. It's like, I can't trust that guy shooting a three-pointer anymore. I just can't do it. So... Yeah, it's an issue. It is. It is an issue. So hopefully you can get that corrected. And uh, I never thought he was like the most amazing three point shooter in the world. But there are times when Trey can get hot from three, and that's a that's a really big weapon. But now his his offensive game is becoming not one dimensional, but he's lost a dimension to it in terms of the long range shot. Just shooting in general. Yeah, shooting but in general. Passing but, is part of the offensive game. Yeah, but I mean, at least he, at least he can still drive, even though his floater's not falling as much. It's like he can still score. You know, he's still scoring twenty plus points a game, so he's still scoring, even though it's not as efficient. Think, a though, clip. He was like a thirty point a game guy, though. Easy, yeah, easy thirty points. Yeah, so. but he's still. I hope something comes back with yeah, that. Yeah, me like, too. But we'll, I don't know. But let, like, let's stay balanced. Try to stay humble. Yeah. Keep facilitating. Yeah. Um, Capella's starting to look a little old to me, especially on the glass. He like The Knicks had so many second-chance opportunities in that game, and it was uh, really frustrating to watch. Like Both Randall and I don't know who else was in there, the Knicks front court, but it was like, I don't know, man. I think the time for a Kongu is coming. I think we need to move on from Clint, as much as I hate to say it, because I really like Capella. He's the, he was the rebounding champion a couple of years, objectively, most rebounds in the league during the season. I like the depth of the two of them. Just start a Kongu, maybe. Or start giving him more, bi- more give minutes. him more minutes. Like yeah, we don't want to move on and have right. Bruno Fernando being the backup center. No, you, you don't. But uh, yeah, I think they need to do a change, and they did that um, at the Timberwolves game. They did that in their new Timberwolves game. It really worked out. Okongwu, I think, played like thirty-two minutes, and Capella only played like twenty-one, and it defense got better. So we'll see. The season's real, really young. 
or six and five. You know, the NBA is just starting. There's stupid in-season tournaments happening. I don't understand it. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. It doesn't matter. I think it's it's more interesting than nothing. But it's still... The courts are hideous. The courts are disgusting. And I heard that Adam Silver wanted that because people would ask, well, why is the court different? I was like, well, I guess that worked. But, man, like in terms of asking the question, but in terms of what it's presenting, I'm like, why? what is the point of all this shit? To like, drum up a little, you know, we're talking about it. Drum up a little attention. Yeah. I think the NBA has done a good job. I, I think I all, all professional sports in general are, like, doing good jobs of, like, trying to mix it up at least. Like, yes, mixing it you up. Know, like, a lot of the baseball changes they made this past oh, year worked, worked out well. Worked really well. Um, you know, NBA saw no one pays attention until after Christmas. Let's, you know, at least try something. And yeah, and at it least... It doesn't hurt anybody. Well, the good... Yeah, I was about to say, the good news about this in-season tournament is that the the uh, the outcomes still affect your overall record. If it was one of those things where you're playing games and didn't affect the overall record, it would be the stupidest thing in the world, you know? So. Like, like we said a while ago, it's like the Maui Invitational. Right. The Battle for Atlantis. Something different. Something different. Um... There's a lot of things to be pissed off about in this world, Graham. Like the Falcons. I don't have to get too pissed off about the <laughs> yeah, in-season I think tournament. we can let yeah. this one go. But yeah, we can pick and choose what we get upset about. Yeah, change isn't always bad. Yeah. Um, it's scary. It is scary. And it, you know, usually we've met with, with resistance, but yeah, right. it's not the end of the world. Well, I think that's it, Adam. Unless you got any other uh, tidbits or topics you want to you hit on. Nothing's coming to me quickly, Graham. All right. Well, that's it. I think we'll call it. Let us be the first to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. You probably won't do a show next week since I'll be out of town. Mm. So we beat Chris Berman to the punch. Good on us. Yes. And I guess we'll see you not next week, but the week after to see what happened at the Saints game. I will be there. Going to the damn game? I'm going to the damn game. Got a connection over at Mercedes Benz. Uh, guy who, uh, friend of ours who works over there. Uh, Don't want to mention his name. Disc golfer. He is a disc golfer. Uh, super nice guy. Well, I was talking to him last week, and he was like, "You want you want some tickets?" I was like, "Yeah, which game?" He's like, the "I got some stuff for the Saints." I was like, "Absolutely." I'm not gonna ask p- him for one more ticket. That'd be cool. Okay. <laughs> see, if, we'll see what we can do. But. uh I was like, you know, I don't want to pay for this. Uh, I don't want to pay for this bullshit to watch this team, but I will definitely go to a game. Sure. Yeah. So I'll have a full report when we do our next episode. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital. Hospital. Hospital.